Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space. This is going to be good stuff. What's happening right now with the podcast and for those who like to follow the podcast on social media, you'll have noticed that, you know, since 2015, there was very little social media activity from the world of Explore the Space. And in the later part of 2018, I got much more engaged on social media and the benefits have been incredible. There is a universe of really highly engaged, motivated, interested physicians, nurses, administrators, people who are healthcare advocates, people who are interested in healthcare, people who are afraid of healthcare, who are looking to engage on social media in a meaningful way. And it's been an incredible journey. One of the physicians that I've connected with who is a real expert in this work is joining me, Dr. Avi O'Glasser. And we're going to do a little deep dive into this movement that's happening, what's going on and where it's going to go. Before she and I get started, please want to ask everyone to go and check out the website for the podcast, www.explorethespaceshow.com. I'm on Twitter, obviously, at ETS Show, very active on social media and love to interact with guests and love to interact with people who are interested in the show and to learn about what you're enjoying and things that are resonating. You can email me, mark at explorethespaceshow.com. Love to get emails from fans and to engage with people and learn what's resonating, learn what topics you want to hear more about, things that we can do different, things that we can do better as well. Please take the opportunity to subscribe to Explore the Space on your favorite platform. We are on all of them, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it. If you're able to subscribe and leave us a rating and a review, that really helps the show out. It makes sure that the show is amplified to as many people as possible so that they can find all the great content that you've been enjoying. And speaking of great content, we are going to get into social media and how it is helping to drive this work at the interface of healthcare and society. Dr. Avitalo Glosser is an associate professor of medicine at Oregon Health Sciences University. She is the medical director of the perioperative medicine clinic, and she is the associate program director for scholarship and social media at Oregon Health Sciences University. And I think it's worth restating, they have created a program that has a medical director and associate directors to look specifically at this concept of social media and how it is going to drive healthcare in the future. So Avi, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. So we connected purely by fluke luck. And before we started recording, neither one of us could remember exactly how I think I found your account on Twitter and started, you know, just tap the follow button and let's see what kind of cool things I find. Now we're at the Society of Hospital Medicine annual meeting, and we've been doing big meetings and shaking hands and taking mm -hmm. selfies with all of these incredible people that are on social media. Let's just start from that place of what is, what is happening? Where are we with these conferences used to be so different, and now we're all there on social media, and we're tweeting, and we're interacting, and we're meeting each other for the first time, and it's like we're all old friends. What does this space feel like for you? This is such an exciting space, and I, people are shocked when I self-describe myself as an introvert, which I, I, I think the better term now is ambivert, which is you can sort of flip back and forth between introvert and, 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 and introvert and extrovert. Uh, conferences used to be wonderful learning for me, but I just always felt like a wallflower. Uh -huh. And having a chance to meet and interact with and get to know colleagues, like-minded individuals, differently-minded individuals, thought leaders in the 11.9 months between conferences was really a valuable opportunity. But just to take that step back, 
really wonderful and really exciting things are happening on social media, and specifically Twitter is my platform of preference for those in healthcare, um, those receiving healthcare, those providing healthcare. There are a lot of naysayers about social media. And I think med Twitter, hashtag med Twitter, as we will use very frequently in conversation, yeah. it's harnessed the positive yeah. of social media. Uh, if you look at, if you type social media into a web browser, the dictionary definition is a platform, some sort of digital platform that allows us to create, share, and participate. And that's exactly what's happening. That's exactly what's but we're happening. getting yeah. off the platform. So yeah. it's not just this digital-based interaction. We are now meeting up in person. We are running into people, and it feels like they're old friends. Yeah. And you're meeting them face-to-face for the first time, and that's you're just right. picking up where you left you off. Pick up where you left and off. then initiating yeah. even more and, and newer, exciting things. That's right. For me, the journey was when I started my Twitter account in 2015 for Explore the Space, I would post an episode and that was it. Nothing. Didn't even look at it again. I Then I started to add people to follow that were sports personalities that I liked, podcasts that I followed so I knew when stuff was coming. And I would tell people that I worked with that I was using Twitter and they're like, why? What are you doing with it? What's the point? It's a, it's a waste of time. And I did nothing with it until about four or five months ago. I was yeah. like, look, I've got this new website. My podcast is going great. I'm coming up on 100 episodes. I do need to try to promote it. Mm-hmm. Let's see if Twitter is going to help me to drive that work. And it's just been incredible. Um, what was the path like for you? to move from being someone who, right, we all decided we're going to open a social media account at some point, we're going to start a Twitter account mm-hmm. at some point, to being heavily engaged, to looking at it, to connecting with people. What was that point for you? Was there a transition where it was like, aha, I'm really going to engage? Or was it more gradual? I think it's gradual in the beginning. And a lot of those, who, the, a lot of us who really use social media professionally will say that there was an aha moment or a light bulb moment or a turning point. Uh, before we sat down to record, I was trying to think of what one of my aha moments was, and I was having trouble coming up with an episode. But I think there is that, there's really a learning curve. Uh, there's a lot of pitfalls to social media, and if you dive in head first, you, you might have an undesirable experience, and you might just abandon it. But starting slow, starting intentionally, and then moving up the learning curve. One of my close friends who I, of course, met on social media and <laughs> have since collaborated with wow. on multiple ventures uh, Dr. Rebecca Jaffe, who's at Jefferson, Philadelphia, she's basically created a Bloom's taxonomy for social media use, that you have to have an entry point and then work your way up to different levels of intentional use, um, different levels of impact. Um, so I started steadily, and the person who got me onto Twitter was Dr. Renee Diversal, who you've met this Same conference thing. and well met on Twitter. And I right, probably met right. you on Twitter through Renee because you just start tapping someone on the shoulder, you start tagging them in a thread of tweets and you pull people into the conversation rather than it being a static, I'm just tweeting into the void. Right, right. So you start by observing and learning and seeing how connections are being made and then putting yourself out there and and maybe taking challenges and replying to a thought leader or tagging, mentioning a thought leader in your tweet. And then you suddenly have these these barriers are being broken. You'll yeah. hear the term flatten hierarchies. Yes. Uh, you'll hear the term democratize education. Uh-huh. Absolutely true. And it's not just to say bridging the gap between thought leaders or senior experts or senior physicians or senior members of the profession and uh, those of us who may be in practice of some amount of time but don't have the national or international clout. It's dramatically shrinking the distance between those in practice and those coming up 
the pipeline, uh, students, right. Right. residents. I would uh, suggest that, even that it's flipping a lot of that on its head because oh, absolutely. people who are full professors, uh, professor emerit, I mean, the person that at their home institution is known, respected, and revered, on Twitter, they're just a Twitter account. Mm -hmm. A medical student is just a medical student, but the medical student may be far more comfortable in a social media environment. And you see these interchanges of people saying, can you now help me? Or, oh my gosh, this person is following me. Professor now being followed by a medical student. I have observed those things happen mm -hmm. where the professor's like, I can't believe this social media influencer is now following me. They're communicating directly, which it's not just changing the hierarchy, it's blowing it up completely. I, I, I think that's a really good, valid term. Yeah. Uh, that's not a reactionary term for what's happening. Yeah. And I know it's, it's just seeing who you interact with a lot on Twitter, it is med students, it is residents. They're incredible. Who have an incredible voice. And, and I use that word very intentionally right now that one of my favorite articles to cite as we talk about being meta about social, I don't just use social media. I actually yeah. get meta about social media and then I still don't know that. what that means and that's okay. Let's keep moving. People say, oh, Mark, <laughs> you're being very meta. And I just say, oh, thanks, I guess. I don't so know. There was a 2015 <laughs> Journal of General Internal Medicine article. Kathy Creighton was the lead author. And it specifically looked at Twitter use by medical students. And I think it, the background is that this was a, a call to analyze that make sure med students weren't really you know, blowing up Twitter and really going down the wrong pathway. Right, right. Uh, but they identified some incredible themes of use. They broke it down into two big categories, and it was that medical students are in, with intentionality, and that's a word that we use a lot in, in, with professionalism and leadership, that they were intentionally using Twitter and they were gaining access and voice, and that this distance was being shrunk. Uh, and it's not just that they had a voice, it's that people were listening. People, people listen. are listening. That's correct. That's right. And I think that this is applicable and replicatable across any industry. This isn't unique to medicine. And that's one of the things that I like about with this podcast is we get to discuss these things that this isn't just in medicine. I would suggest that history, mathematics, mm -hmm. any industry, there is some of that gap closure that's happening. Yeah. You have to be very careful. You have to understand, you know, there's, there's certain rules of decorum. There's certain things that you oh, want absolutely. to avoid. And that might be unique to each specialty. But this concept of people being able to get in the pool and swim together, mm -hmm. is, it's absolutely fascinating. And it's a and whole it's new sandbox. To totally, it's a whole <laughs> new sandbox, exactly. And so just reflect back again on what convinced me to join Twitter. I was a long time holdout. I was, I've been on Facebook since it was three months old. And I just didn't think since I Since you were three months old? No, it was since the five. <laughs> oh, no, that, I was, I, was a, <laughs> I was an early bloomer. Um, <laughs> Since, the, since Facebook was three months old. Right. And I was like, I don't need another time sink. I don't need right, another social right, media right. platform. And Renee, uh, who, who is a world-renowned expert for point-of-care ultrasounds, mm -hmm. was telling me how she was using this platform for multidisciplinary, because again, point-of-care ultrasound was internist and emergency medicine and maybe critical care and other specialties, uh, international. And then by using a hashtag very um, appropriately, and very deliberately, she was getting access, so access to, to content and to discussion uh, and debate and learning. And, and these are all principles of adult learning theory. And, I, and uh, me and my specialty as a perioperative medicine hospitalist thought, hmm, multidisciplinary, international, common hashtag. Well, gosh, that seems like that would be appropriate. Because I don't have the bandwidth, I don't have the money to subscribe to journals across 
three years, medicine, right. hospital medicine, anesthesia, surgery. I don't have the bandwidth to read every e-table of contents through my mm-hmm. hospital library. And I was, I used it initially as a platform to access those thought leaders mm-hmm. or access that content. And, and it just took off from there. Yeah. And in terms of what you mentioned about, you know, we're learning from each other in healthcare. We're learning, I'm getting out of my hospital medicine bubble. Right. Right. Uh, through Twitter, and if anything, I'm learning more about colleagues at my own institution sure. in different departments because I can see their values and goals and what they're passionate about mm-hmm. on social media. And it is, there is even a crossing outside of the world of medicine. Uh, I have an example. It's actually a screen grab in one of my talks, one of my intro to scholarship talks for residents mm-hmm. um, from back in last November, where I was seeing a, a, a friend tweet, live tweeting a geology meeting, an international geology meeting, yeah. and somebody sort of went on a mini rant like a good rant, but a mini rant on go to the poster displays. Like yeah. just because somebody didn't have an invited podium presentation or someone wasn't giving a workshop or an oral talk does not lessen the fact that they put themselves out there That's right. and prevent, presented a poster. Yeah. Said, this is exactly what I needed yeah. for yeah. my intro to resident scholarship talk. That's right. That's right. And I think that the other really interesting transition that is starting to happen, and it's something that I've really enjoyed, is... In medicine, we present our information in a certain way, and that certain way is for a very specific audience, whether it's poster presentations at a conference or an article that gets published in one of our many, many myriad journals. Those things have a tendency to then disappear. Yeah. They dis- I call it PubMed hell. They disappear yeah. into PubMed hell, never to be heard from or seen again. We have a much better way now of sharing, mm-hmm. archiving, building off of, publicizing this really important work that people do, these really extraordinary things that they write, this mm-hmm. remarkable things that they study. Life-changing That's research. right, that they can then share with, a, with the audience, not a audience, with anyone on Twitter. It, 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 again, we've already identified one game changer, right? Mm-hmm. This leveling of the playing field, this democratization of information, which we've talked about on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. we're in this place of being able to shine a big spotlight on important things that physicians can do, want to do, are doing, want to collaborate on, whether it's academics or whether it's the other thing that's incredibly exciting, activism, advocacy. Yes, absolutely. All those things. Yes. Multiple choice E, all the above. (laughs) Right. And to talk about scholarship, Twitter, social media, and again, my focus is on Twitter. It is, it's a game changer for academic medicine and for those, that publisher parish um, realm. I, I'm in academic medicine. Uh, I'm on uh, you know, promotion and tenure. You know, I have expectations or you know, society, cultural expectations at my right. institution. Um, there is data that the vast majority of publications are read start to finish by basically the authors, the editors, maybe if you want to be humorous, the author's parents. Oh, no, I was going to say, I mean, they're um, the parents. That, that very few articles are read. Just because you publish it doesn't mean somebody reads it. And we're so focused on the citation index or someone's H index. That's right. A citation does not guarantee that somebody actually still read it cover to cover or right. meaningfully applied the information. And there's data uh, that articles that are tweeted end up more heavily cited. And again, citation may be the wrong surrogate marker we're looking for for impact and reach. Yeah. But if you get it out there and you amplify it, so you use the word amplify in your intro. Yeah. If you tweet it 
and it's retweeted and you spread the message of the importance of the work, be it research, be it humanities articles, be it essays, more people are going to be on the receiving end of it. Um, I think it was the American Journal uh, or the Journal of the American Geriatric Society very recently released uh, a visual abstract, so through Twitter, uh-huh. that when they moved to a very intentional social media strategy, page downloads shot up. Sure. And I think that you can do that, right? We can't easily track how often an article that you write in a journal gets downloaded and read cover to cover. It's really you, difficult. You can track to do. downloads, maybe, but you can't. Maybe, read but you can't cover see cover. what people read cover to cover. But you can submit your. You have a pinned tweet um, on the use of on perioperative medicine and social media. Is that what it is from 2018? Uh, my pinned tweet is basically a tweetorial or. a MedThread, as you've convinced us to all use. That's right. I'm very proud of that. <laughs> Hashtag my MedThread. idea of a grand rounds on academic medical use of Twitter back That's in what August. It was. That's right. So it's a summary. It's like a 25-tweet right. summary so you of that could grand rounds. So you could easily have submitted that as a perspectives piece in a journal. And it, would have, it would have been submitted. It would have gotten published. You have left it there as a pinned tweet, and you can check your metrics on that. I can. By the hour, if you want. I you can. can check them. How much is it moving? You can say, I'm going to do a Twitter campaign and really bang it for a month and see what happens. You can mess, not mess with, manipulate. You can look at and analyze the data in a totally different way. Mm-hmm. Very so different. you can demonstrate that impact that you're having and that people are seeing it and that it's resonating. Yeah. And I think Twitter has completely shaken up how non-peer-reviewed venues are viewed. Totally agree. And yeah. the, the peer-reviewed, it's medlined. That's the cream of the crop. Again, we're flattening hierarchies here. And that doesn't mean we're bringing everyone down. It's we're bringing other people up. That's a really that's important To be able point. to share right. the, the conversations that I have, that probably I've read in more, more depth, more humanities pieces, more, you know, the one or two page essays in a peer review journal like New England Journal or JAMA have fantastic essays. That's right. Annals of Internal Medicine has fantastic essays. But I'm seeing them in the non-peer review journals. I'm seeing them on blogs. Yeah. So many, many, many more people are getting voices because they've been able to bypass a lot of the traditional pathways That's right. and, and still get an audience and find their audience. The third piece to that is that they're outside of the paywall. Exactly. Most, that too. Most journals are behind a paywall. Mm-hmm. And now you just put your stuff on Twitter and you're out in front of the paywall and anyone that wants it can get it. And right now, at least that's what matters. Now the journals need mm-hmm. to make money and, and I, I'm not oblivious to that, but in terms of reach and impact, that's going to be a huge driver. And one of the things that you and I have bantered about, and we've pulled other people into the conversation, or we've tapped people on the shoulder and welcomed them into a conversation right. on Twitter, is the role of really the 21st century CV. Yeah. So again, we've been talking about publications. We've talked about peer-reviewed or non-peer-reviewed publications. But people are doing amazing work That's right. that is non-traditional, either the non-traditional like medical education work that is being disseminated on Twitter, or the work that they are doing on Twitter That's right. is... That incredible, impactful, non-traditional medical education work that no one knows how to. But but here's how we're going to make catalog. it traditional, and I, this is where you're going to be a leader in this because you already are a leader in this. Your institution, and I give Oregon Health Sciences tremendous credit for being out in front of this. They have created a post to help guide this work. They have to study it, to learn best practices, mm-hmm. to educate around doing it properly. 
to recognize this is not only is this not going away, this is the reality of how we are going to learn, collaborate, educate, engage mm -hmm. in this profession and enrich this profession. Mm -hmm. So you establish this position. What does it mean to be an associate program director for social media at an academic institution? So, um, so one OHSU has been had fantastic mentorship and, and guidance at the institutional level. So yeah. that I never thought that I was doing it alone. So the position is specifically for the residency program. So the residency program, the internal medicine residency program, created a Twitter account. Yeah, it'll be four years in July, and we we were optimistic. We had seen a few other residency program accounts out there sharing interesting journal articles, sharing conference participation. And we decided to jump into the fray and see what happened. I don't think any of us expected to, what the imp what the positive impact would be and how valuable it would be, not just for the residency program, but for the residents themselves and faculty and affiliated fellows. And you, you'll notice that scholarship and social media are in my title, and we realized that they could not be pieced apart. Interesting. The, one of the most... One of the aha moments for the, the residency program Twitter account is once we really started tweeting every resident accomplishment, uh, every publication, yeah. every poster presentation, every talk or didactic they led, uh, every award. And one of that account's aha moments, which I can very clearly uh, recall, the account was about 15 months old and on a weekend. Resident emailed me and said, I, I just got an editorial published in the British Medical, uh, the BMJ. Is, is this appropriate for me to even be asking you to tweet this? And I said, heck yeah. Right, right. Tweet it out. Again, you're pulling people into a conversation. You're tapping them on the shoulder. Tagged his mentor, who had quite a Twitter following at the time. Tagged the BMJ. Uh -huh. And within a couple hours um, from across the pond, it was retweeted by the, the journal account, which right. had... 20 to 30,000 followers right. at that point. And you talk about analytics and metrics, and I just I was curious because was, it was getting likes and retweets. The number of views, so not necessarily page downloads, but the number of views that the tweet received shot up very quickly into the five digits. Yeah. And it was this huge eye-opening moment. Right. I can't say, or my program director, who I report to and then reports to the chair of medicine, we can't say that any resident accomplishment can get that much bandwidth. They can't. We don't, even the alumni newsletter. Not a chance. Is is not going to. We don't have that many residents who graduated <laughs> from the program. Was the program 40, 30, right, 40 years? Right, I don't right. know. But almost 15,000 views. Encounters, yeah. Encounters. Yeah. Um, that's an incredible voice right. to be able to give residents. Yeah, that's right. Or way to be their megaphone. Right. Um, What's, I think, one of the most fascinating intersections of social media and those who need a voice is for women in medicine mm -hmm. and underrepresented minorities mm -hmm. in medicine. We know women are still hitting up against the glass ceiling. Um, there's data after data that we're, we, we haven't been historically invited to conferences. There are still mantles. Um, we're still not getting promoted on the same time frame. I just went to one of Dr. Vinnie Aurora's talks earlier today, and she's been incredible talking about this. Again, to come back to that word amplify, if you don't give people a voice, they will still be invisible. Mm -hmm. And that social media has so shaken up how women are finding ways to, 
to get a voice and mm-hmm. to be heard. That's right. And I think that that is going to be one of the, whether it's intended or unintended consequences, it doesn't matter around us engaging with this, is that it does enable two really important things. One is that component of advocacy. Mm-hmm. And I think physicians in a number of places are starting to really find that voice. The other one, I think, is going to be in helping to reshape how our perce- how our profession is perceived. Mm-hmm. I would be really interested to see what happens with Oregon Health Sciences applications, retention, perceptions of satisfaction amongst the medical students, residents, mm-hmm. and faculty because they're in a community that is, A, embracing something that they're already doing instead of them feeling like they have to do it surreptitiously. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm on Twitter everywhere else, but when I go to, when I'm with, amongst my colleagues, I can't talk about it versus this is a shared space. And oh, by the way, this shared space, we are going to trumpet you as loud as we can. You do something cool, we are going to blow it out there for you yeah. and make you sh- make it so you shine and we're going to be proud of you in Absolutely. doing that. Absolutely. That's, 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 that's ahead of the game right now. And not just the, the publication, the scholarly accomplishment, it's, it's the thought and that's right. the impact at getting to the advocacy platform. I think, I think that's going to be another very, very exciting thing to watch is yeah. that medical students, residents, junior members of the profession are going to use Twitter to so, shake up advocacy. I woke up this morning to a tweet from one of our residents yeah. who is really still uh, finding her voice. I mean, it has found her voice, but she's going to continue to, to increase the volume and the decibels of her voice. Um, responding to a medical student or, or tweet about a pre-med student who felt very disparaged uh, that they were a member of the LGBTQ community. It was basically told, why bother applying to medical school? No oh. patient will ever respect you. And she responded loud and proud to that saying, this is not the reality yeah, yeah. of being a physician as a member of the LGBTQ community. Um, and it's just, even if you're not tweeting about the Affordable Care Act, even if you're not tweeting about uh, climate change as it relates to health, even if you're not tweeting about very specific political policies or political happenings, there is still an incredible amount of advocacy that can happen through this platform. Um, you get yourself out of the echo chamber, get yourself be heard, identify your community of support. I've seen a lot of medical students on Twitter who based on what state they reside in feel very uncomfortable speaking up in lectures about certain political positions or certain positions that happen to be very politically charged. Yeah. I'm going to phrase it that way. Sure, sure. It's, but they feel that they can find their community support or they can feel very comfortable not suppressing their values. Uh, and I'm, I guarantee that it has shaken up residency applications and people right, feeling like, you know right. what, I, I'm not going to be stuck in this region of the country. I can go, I can go be myself somewhere else because I see that other people really yeah. are open and talking about this. I, I love the way you frame this around the whole person gets to be expressed in their journey to become a physician because mm-hmm. that whole person is going to be the physician yeah. and that whole person will be a really good physician. Yeah. And be if a they damn are, good physician. That's right. And if they're able to express and share and collaborate in that meaningful way, I think that that's really important. I think it's wonderful that we have people like yourself who not only are active on the platform, setting the example and how to do it, but are also now rising into these official leadership positions. 
right? This is the, the you are on the razor sharp edge. You're way out at the front. In 25 years, we're going to look back at this episode of just being like, look at this piece of apocrypha. Like, this is like <laughs> writing on parchment paper. You're talking about the first social media director. Give me a break. They're like full professorships endowed chairs in it now. <laughs> But, I but think we're it's, in not, that it's place. not going away, and we oh, no, and our no. our use may evolve. That's right. Um, we may, you know, our emphasis on a certain domain may shift relative to another, but I, I don't think it's going away. I think that we're not only is it not going away. I think we're well past the phase of thinking: is it here to stay or is it not here? It's here this to stay. This is part of the DNA because the people that are coming up behind us are better at it than we are. They are, yeah. And they're really smart and they're really engaged. It's how they're communicating. It's how they're used to communicating. And for us to be able to leverage that skill set is going to be incredibly exciting. Mm -hmm. The fact that we're smart enough to put people like yourself in a position of being able to shape a division, to shape a program around it is wonderful. And it's going to be, it's going to be such a great journey as we go from conference to conference, mm -hmm. as we go from academic year to academic year, as we go from employment cycle and residency application cycle and on through, it's just going to be wonderful. Where do we find you? So people are going to hear this and they're going to say, <laughs> yeah. okay, I want to, I want to check out Avi's Twitter feed. I want to follow along and I want to be tapped on the shoulder sometimes. How do we find the work that you do on social media? So I am on Twitter um, as myself. My name is out there. I'm at A.O. Glasser. No punctuation marks. Um, there, There's a question of do you tweet as a pseudonym or not? This is this is me. This is my values, my beliefs. Um, my This is who I am supporting other people. I do participate in several institutional accounts, um, which I don't feel is, is hiding behind a pseudonym. Um, I, I'm representing a, a society or a program like the, like the residency program, which is at O-H-S-U-I-M res. Um, so but you can find me as, as A.O. Glasser. And Finder, for those of you who are listening. Mention me in a tweet and I'll reply. That's right. Go on Twitter, follow her. Uh, I'll be there too, most likely. Most of the time we're, we're, we're tweeting about the same stuff. Avi, this is great. It's, it's, it's such so an much. exciting journey. We're going to have you back because, you know, every year, every 18 months, every 24 months, this is going to be evolving so quickly. Yeah. There's going to be scholarship on it. There's going mm -hmm. to be important tweets that just completely explode in ways we can't anticipate. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for the invitation. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.